Easter, uh, Easter, what do you call, small little donuts there. So you'll want to avail yourself uh, before you leave today. I want to talk to you today about the resurrection of Jesus, it being Easter Sunday, and you. So it's been a nice weekend. Uh, we had Good Friday over at Le Studio in St. Hubert, and um, we're able to take extra time there. I, I looked at my message. It was an hour and 10 minutes. What a, what a train wreck length that was. But I hope it was a benefit to you, and uh, I know that it's, it's uh, material that you can put in your pocket and that you can use to build a foundation for your spiritual walk, that whole series. And there, there were people who took it quite seriously because one gentleman got 18 out of 20 on the quiz yesterday. Wow, 18 on 20. He's not in the room today. He attends this church, and he won that iPad. And uh, second place was a score of 17, and third place was 16. So nobody got it perfect, uh, but 18 on 20 is really, really good. So you can catch up on those messages online. Everything is there. Uh, but I want to talk to you for a few minutes about the resurrection of Jesus, and I'm going to just uh, assume that you believe that it is true and that it took place, all right? We've spent the last four weeks trying to build a case for it. So we're going to go and operate, and for those of you online, maybe you're watching, you might be a skeptic or whatever, you say, I don't even believe in this. Well, we're going to assume that this is true today, and the majority of people in this room have that, uh, that hope and that confidence in the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. But that said, what does it really mean for your life? And how do you really relate to the resurrection of Jesus from the dead? Uh, someone sent me this funny um, image uh, over the weekend. Uh, on Good Friday night, the Jewish Passover began. It's always nice when that happens. But you see on the left-hand side there, the, the, who is that on the left? Do you know him? Yeah, the Pillsbury Doughboy. And uh, the Pillsbury Doughboy says, he is risen. Happy Easter. And I suppose the Pillsbury Doughboy likes it because he gets a lot of sweets and all of that. We've got our Krispy Kreme donuts after all. And so the Pillsbury Doughboy, he is risen. But on the right-hand side, he is not. And you see the, I don't know if he, it's not the Pillsbury Doughboy. He's got a star of David, so he's Jewish, and it's a piece of matzah, unleavened bread, right, which the Jews are supposed to eat at the Passover. And he's, the, the guy on the right says, he is not. Happy Passover. So you have two clearly opposed views about the resurrection of Jesus, don't you? You have two very divergent opinions. And how many of you know they're not both true, right? Right? One of them's true, one of them's not. Or I suppose maybe they're both not true. But I mean, we're going again on the, on the, the, the solid ground that Jesus has been raised from the dead. But there's all kinds of opinions about this, aren't there? So what I want you to, what I want to do with you today is to try and help you understand uh, the significance of the resurrection for your own personal life and why it's important. Because some people, they say, well, okay, Jesus rose from the dead and Let's say he did. Of what relevance is that to me and to my life? Maybe it was relevant for the people back then in the immediate vicinity. Maybe it was a thing for them. But 
that the scripture might be fulfilled, which says they divided my garments among themselves from uh, the uh, 22nd Psalm. And from my raiment, they cast lots. These things, therefore, the soldiers did, and sitting down, they kept guard of him there. And people stood beholding the sight, and those passing by kept railing at him, uh, wagging their heads and saying, Aha, you who would destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. Just remember that phrase and the attitude of these folks. You who would rebuild the temple in three days, that's what you said, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. And likewise also the chief priests mocking him uh, to one another with the scribes and elders said he saved others, but himself he cannot save. Let him save himself if he is the Christ, the chosen one of God. If he is the king of Israel, let the Messiah, the king of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe him. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now. If he desires him, for he said, I am the son of God. And the soldiers also kept mocking him, coming to him and offering him sour wine and saying, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. Now, the robbers also who were crucified with him began to reproach him in the same manner. And one of the hanged evildoers, again in the old English here, kept on railing at him, saying, if you are the Messiah, save yourself and us. Again, note the attitude and the approach. But the other answered and rebuked him, saying, do you not even fear God, since you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving due reward for our deeds, but this man did nothing amiss. And he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me, note the attitude, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Verily I say to you, today you shall be with me in paradise. And it was about 12 o'clock noon. The death of Christ in stereo. So there's, there, I just want to capture for you this, these two men on these two crosses that were executed on either side of Jesus and also the attitude of the people around him and the things that were said to him. Uh, so you have the, the, the one criminal, aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. On the left-hand side of your screen, looks really nice in the big movie theater for the people online. It's a little small. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. The posture of that. 
It's like the, the religious folks are saying, if he's the son of God, if he's the Christ, if he's the chosen one, then let God take him down off of this cross now and demonstrate his power if he is the Messiah and so on. Kind of the same attitude as the one criminal on the cross. The other criminal, don't you fear God since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly. We're getting what we deserve, but this man has done nothing wrong. And then he says to Jesus, addressing him, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Uh, probably this image is a little bit uh, extreme. They would have been closer together and they would have been lower to the ground uh, in the crucifixions. They're having a conversation and they would have been a lot closer together. Uh, but in any case, this kind of a picture of what you have back there and it's only Luke who gives us these little details in this, these famous last words of these criminals and really of Jesus and his reaction to the one. A few observations this Easter Sunday morning. We are by nature unaware. You talk about what does the resurrection mean for you in your personal practical life. Well, we are by nature unaware of Jesus' death and resurrection. We're not aware of these things. So you didn't, you didn't wake up and, you know, start go, going through your childhood and your adolescence with the constant awareness that Jesus died and rose from the dead. This isn't intuitive knowledge that you're just sort of born with. You acquire this. Maybe if you're a child, somebody told you. Your parents told you. You came to church. The church told you. You saw it somewhere. You read it somewhere. You learn the information. You acquired the information. It's not something that you pick up just naturally and intuitively. You don't look at this guy and say, oh, wow, Jesus died and rose from the dead. This is, we're, not, we're unaware of this. It has to be revealed to us. It has to be taught to us. It has to be shown to us. And ultimately, we choose our reaction to this, don't we? The religious folks did. The, the one criminal on the cross did. The other criminal on the cross did. They made a decision, a choice as to how they were going to react to the things that Jesus was saying, to who he was, to his death, at least at that moment, and to his future resurrection, which as we learned in our series, he predicted several, several times. And so you have these different reactions, and we make that decision as to how we're going to react. We can remain aloof to the resurrection of Jesus. It doesn't make any difference for me and for my life. That's a reaction. Or we can choose a different reaction. But you can take these reactions that we see in the Gospels and you can really sum them up into two, two different ones. It's the Jesus, do something for me. Take me down from this cross. Take yourself down from this cross. Because this is it. This, these are my last words. I'm about to, to die. If you are who you say you are, you get us down and you get yourself down because this is it. It's over. The other, the other people who were indignant toward Jesus, who were mocking him, they're saying kind of the same thing. Do something for me. Do a, do a trick for me. Do a miracle for me. This is the attitude of Herod Antipas when Jesus stands on trial briefly before Antipas. He wants to see Jesus do a miracle like a magic trick. Do something for me and I'll believe in you. Come off of your cross and I'll believe in you. And I'll believe that you're the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. 
do something for me. And it occurs to me that many of us have the same posture toward Jesus today. And it's a sort of a, well, if you do something for me, then I will believe in you. Then I will serve you. That's a dangerous posture to have. When you make deals with God for salvation, it's it's a dangerous deal. God, if you get me out of this predicament, if you, and I created the predicament, by the way, but if you get me out, I will serve you. I will be faithful to you for the rest of my days. If you can just solve this problem and solve it quickly, please. Yes, I know it took me 20 years to get into this mess, but I'm asking you, God, if you're real, get me out of this mess that, by the way, I created And I'll serve you for the rest of my days. And we make these deals with God because we want him to do something for us. Let me tell you, that's a dangerous game to play. God doesn't play those kinds of games. You may think that he's playing that game, but he doesn't play that game. What happens is that God tries to pull you toward him. He tries to bring you to a place of repentance toward him. So sometimes he'll give you He'll give you that bullet that you're looking for, that silver bullet. But he's doing that to pull you to himself. Because what he wants to do is deal with your sin, you see. He wants to deal with your heart. He wants to deal with the things inside of you. Uh, He wants to, to transform you from the inside out. He doesn't want to give you easy solutions in life. He doesn't want you to have it easy. He wants you to have it clean. He wants you not to be happy so much, but to be more like him and to be holy a little more. So he pulls you toward himself. And, but when we take this God do something for me approach, it's a lot like what you see here from this one criminal on the cross and from these other people. It's not really a posture of deep faith. It's not really a posture of humility. It's a posture of, well... I'll believe on the condition of you do this for me. You do this for me, and I'll believe in you. Not always a wise thing to do with God. Or you take the approach of this one person in this whole, this whole crucifixion thing. You've got this one individual. I really admire this, this man. He has no, we're, we don't get the names of these two criminals. Uh, the movie yesterday, the Ben-Hur movie, did a bit of a strange job of how they portrayed him on the cross. He's a zealot in the, in the movie. Uh, but it's a bit strange the way that they do it in that movie, honestly. But uh, he, has, he, uh, he has my admiration, this man, because he's not asking Jesus for anything, really. He's up there on this cross, and he, he looks at, at his situation, and what does he say when this one man is really, at least in the words of Luke, mocking Jesus with this statement, aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. The other criminal interprets this as a kind of a mockery, and so he rebukes him, we're told. He's, he's, imagine these men are on crosses trying to breathe, essentially, to live a little bit longer. And they're having this conversation. And he turns to the other guy, and he rebukes him, we're told. Don't you fear God? We're all under the same sentence. 
you and I deserve what we're getting here. You want the quick fix. You want the silver bullet. But it took us years to get here, and we deserve what we're getting. We deserve to die on these crosses. But this man has done nothing wrong. What's wrong with you? How can you ask him to save us and himself? What's wrong with you? He's, he's rebuking this man as they're breathing their last breaths. It's remarkable. And then he says this phrase to Jesus. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. So, he's, he, by saying this, there's a whole host of implications here. So, remember me. Well, how, how are you supposed to remember him when you're going to die? Jesus is there about to give up his last breath. And yet this man says, remember me. Past event. You remember something in the past. So he's saying, there's a future for you, Jesus. And in that future, I want you to remember me. I want you to think of me. And presumably, remember the moment on the cross where I said to that man, what's wrong with you? This man has done nothing wrong. Jesus, in that future... I want you to look back and remember me because I'm about to die. Uh, and it's implicit in there is that he understands that there's a future after death for Jesus. How does he know this? It seems to imply that he understands that there is going to be some sort of conquering of death by Jesus. Death is not going to be the final say for Jesus. Furthermore, he seems to perceive that Jesus is a king. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. How does he know this about Jesus? He seems to have a, a, a very clear grip. Number one, Jesus is somehow going to defeat death. Number two, he has some sort of kingdom. And the response from Jesus must have shocked him and encouraged him in his dying moments at the same time. Because Jesus doesn't address the other man. You'll notice. The, the criminal rebukes the criminal, but Jesus doesn't say anything to the criminal who's mocking him. He only replies to the man who's not mocking him, who's not asking him for an escape, who's not asking him for a silver bullet. In fact, all he's asking him is, remember me. I know you're a king. I know you've got a kingdom. And I know your future is beyond the grave. And Jesus says to him, truly I tell you, or in the old English, verily, verily, I say unto you, in a million years, we're going to meet again. No. Well, sometime in, the, in a galaxy far, far away, somewhere in the future, we're going to meet again. No. He, he, says, he says to him, you're wrong. I'm not a king. I'm going to die just like you. The grave is the end. Here we come. No. He says, 
Truly I tell you, today, it's today, you will be with me. You are going to be with me today, where? In paradise, not in a cold grave, not in Hades, not in Sheol, in paradise. And that's the end of the conversation. The two do not speak, at least not by what we're told, after that. And Jesus quickly will die after that. And, the, and that part of the crucifixion ends. The response from Jesus has a host of implications for us personally, just as the response had a host of implications for that criminal who Jesus breathed hope into, even in his final moments. The potential that you and I have two millennia after Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection, first and foremost, is that we can have a relationship with God. You will be with me. That's a relationship. It's not, well, you know, someday, somewhere, our, we, our paths may cross again as fate may have it. <laughs> no, he says... You will be with me. Man, I mean, when you're up there on a cross and people are looking at you and you are, you are so vulnerable. I mean, the, 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 the history says, I, I don't mean to be, to be rough with you, but the history says that when they crucified these people, they crucified them in the nude. They, they were exposed they were, they were put in a shameful uh, place, and they, it was an awful, grotesque, isolated, I mean, what a way to die. This was a brutal, brutal form of execution. And Jesus says to him, while he's dying there, you're right in what you're saying. You're right. He doesn't rebuke him. He doesn't say he's wrong. He doesn't, he doesn't condemn what he says. He says, it's even better than what you're saying. The truth is even better than what you think. I tell you the truth today. You are going to be with me. Wow. If I was that criminal on that cross, I would feel just, a, just a, 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 an encouragement in my soul to take another breath, to wait for my physical body to to finally kick in, but I would be so filled with hope at that moment because the, the Lord has said, I will be with him. And you and I have that potential today to be with Jesus in a relationship even now. This is the promise of the scripture. If you follow Christ now because he's alive, you can have life now. Your sins can be forgiven now. You can be called a child of God now. You can walk and talk with Jesus now. You may not see him the same way that the, the criminal on the cross did, but you can know him, and he can be with you, and you can be with him. The second 
implication here is redemption. So in the morning, we, we came into the, the room here, 8 o'clock in the morning, some technicians and myself, and whoa, so Easter morning surprise, no cleaners had come. Folks, you would not have been able to sit in any seat this morning. It was unbelievable. And, it, and we were here yesterday morning, right, watching, uh, watching uh, Ben-Hur in here. But we didn't create that mess, I promise. It was unbelievable. I kid you not. What you need to do on your way out, you need to go find the manager. His name is Nicola or Nicholas. He speaks both languages, English, French. You need to go find Nicholas, and you need to say, thank you, thank you, thank you. Because they have subcontractors here who are supposed to clean. It's not the Cineplex staff who cleans properly. They just sweep up little things. But the contractors are supposed to come in. They get paid a lot of money to do it. And no one was here this morning. The place is uh, wow. And so myself and Nicola and a few others at the end were with our brooms and dustpans sweeping up the COVID popcorn. And uh, I mean, it was ghastly, ghastly. Yes, I washed my hands. Yes, so if you see little kernels, you know, you can blame me for that, okay? It's my first time sweeping out a movie theater. But when you clean the place up, it's like it's redeemed. It was un, it was in an unredeemed state when we walked in this morning. But now it now it's clean. It feels like wow, redemption. Easter redemption. So you need to go and find that man and say thank you. I do not even think he is a Christ follower, but he sure behaves like one. And may God help the people who left the mess. I hope it wasn't the church. <laughs> but wow, what a mess. That's redemption, you see. And when he says to the man, you will be with me, where? In paradise. That's a place of redemption. That means that what was valueless now has value. It's been redeemed. Your life, Mr. Criminal, is going to be redeemed. You are going to be with me, where? In paradise. There's not death and thieves on crosses in paradise. There's redemption in paradise. And that's the promise for you, Mr. Criminal. And that's the promise for us today. Is that God can take what we look at and we say we have no value. And we say we are valueless. And we, you know, the, the pandemic and all these things have mounted on people's minds. And people feel like... I think people feel like the popcorn on the floor sometimes. And God says to us on Easter Sunday, I will redeem you, I will be with you, and I will bring value back to your life again. Who brings your chaos and puts order in it? It's the king of glory. It's the promise of redemption. And finally, the, the implication in here for this man is also his actual resurrection. Because he, he thinks that Jesus is going to beat death and Jesus is going to be a king in his kingdom. And Jesus turns to him and says, not only are you right about that, 
But it's even better. It's going to happen today, and it's going to be in paradise, and you are going to be with me. He seems to think that Jesus is going to beat death, and Jesus says to him, so are you. You are going to be with me in paradise. Does he think that Jesus will reign in his kingdom just as a kind of spirit being? Or does he think that Jesus will have a physical body in his own kingdom? He probably thinks that Jesus will have a physical body in his own kingdom. The hope of the Jewish people is indeed resurrection. Daniel chapter 12, you read about this. Multitudes in the dust will rise. And so Jesus is saying to him, what you think is going to happen to me is also going to happen to you. And you see this expanded on in the scripture. Paul talks about the resurrection of the dead of people, not just of Jesus, but of people, and that people will be raised physically from the dead. You say, that's lunacy what you're talking about. Well, if it happened to Jesus, then it can happen, you see. And this is a serious promise that is given to us in the Scripture. What is the justification for it? Jesus is. And this man on this cross took it very seriously, what Jesus said to him. So the promise that, that he's been given there is that he's going to live even beyond the grave even beyond the grave. Is that your hope and your understanding today? Do you know that that's the message of Easter today? Is that even death, even death itself cannot kill you. Even death cannot kill your loved one who's in Christ. Some of you have loved ones in this room who, are, who have predeceased you, and they're in Christ. And you're, you're going to have a reunion with them on the other side. This is the promise of Scripture. 1 Thessalonians 4. Paul, Paul talks about this, teaches the church this. Even death cannot end your life because you're in Christ. Wow, is it ever quiet. If, I were, if this were a funeral service, I'm telling you, people would be happy. Even death itself cannot stop you, my friends. And that is, a, that is a powerful, powerful truth because it is the worst thing that we're going to face to us, but not to God. To God, it's an entry to the other side. To us, it's over, not to him. And, and the words that he says to that criminal on the cross, you can take and you can apply them to your own life. The relationship that you can have with God the redemption that God gives, and the hope of resurrection are for everyone. Everyone can experience this. So I'd like the, the band to come and finish the service today and uh, keep the stream going, please, for everybody online. And, and um, they've done such a terrific job today, the musicians. Thank you so much for your ministry. Uh, this morning, and let's let's just pray together. Would you stand with me? And I invite you to just sing with them. And uh, you can take your time today. We we can stay a little bit longer. It being Easter Sunday, so you don't have to run out. Remember that we have oh another Easter surprise. 
Ah, it comes back. Okay. Um, uh, we, we have a little bit of time today. Remember, there's nice sweets there. There's coffee and tea. Please feel free to visit with one another before you leave. Uh, next week, we're going to start a new series on the fruit of the Spirit. Fantastic fruit and where to find it. Father, I pray for each one in this room today, those who are watching online. Lord, that you would help us uh, to take the posture of faith today about you, about your death, and about your resurrection. Lord, uh, we don't want to be like uh, the, the, the crowd and the criminal who was looking for the, the magic solution. But Lord, we want to be like the man who says, remember me, Jesus. You are king. You are going to defeat the grave. Remember me. And uh, Lord, we're so thankful for the, 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 the promise that you have for us. May we take hold of it today. May we follow you. May we surrender our lives afresh to you this Easter Sunday, 2022. We pray. Amen.
Rise from the, from the, from the feet. Rise, 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 r